This is Loika Darkroom. This is where we share stories and celebrate the success of photographers in the Web3 space. I'm your host, Pam Voth. Let's go into the darkroom and see what develops. Welcome, everyone, to the Monday version of the Sloika Darkroom. Um, I'm Pam Voth, your host, and we'll be talking this afternoon with uh, Nick Kalyani, who's also known as Tech Bubble, who's a, an entrepreneur, and uh, he'll be talking with us about the projects he's going on. And he's also a collector. We've um, we've had um, at Sloika, we've had over 25 different um, pieces being collected by Nick um, <laughs> from artists over on on Sloika. So we want to talk with him about that. Um, we also have Ev here, who will be telling us um, his weekly version of Nerd Talk and um, bringing us up to speed. Of course, Ev is the co-founder of Sloika, and he's been um, building tools for photographers' success since, I would say, 2003-ish, or even before then, um, when he was a co-founder of 500px. So, um, yeah, we're, we're deep into the space of NFT photography, and uh, we've got Sabode here as our co-host. How is it going, Sabode? Hi, Pam. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. As always, every Monday, it's a special Monday because wonderful collectors join us. And I'm looking forward to listening to Nick because he's always full of knowledge. Well, you can listen, but you can also chime in and ask your own questions, too. Um, and Nick, we, we hold these spaces every uh, Mondays and Wednesdays um, in kind of different times of day to allow uh, listeners from our global audience to, to join in. We used to always have these spaces in the mornings, but we found that uh, people in certain time zones were having a little harder time finding us. So anyway, we're happy to have you here with us today. And um, I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better because um, there's only so much you can pick up from like reading what we find out there online and everything. And um, in here, we like to just kind of get to know people. Um, and with your, uh, with your okay, I'd like to go ahead and ask you a question. Um, and that is, uh, what's one thing that you do for fun when you're not focused on crypto and NFTs? Uh, hi, Pam. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm so, so excited. Uh, great, great question. Uh, I would say that uh, for me, uh, one of the, the non sort of crypto, non online activities is DIY. I, I loved tools and I love building stuff with my hands. Uh, so uh, I'm constantly doing things like that. I especially like uh, building things that are a fusion of extreme high tech and vintage art. Uh, for example, I created a display frame that is like the frame is all antique, but uh, inside it is a very high tech kind of display, uh, which includes you know a digital detection of pixels uh, to create a border LED color effect and so on and so forth. So yeah, DIY stuff is my passion. That's pretty cool. Uh, do you have a space that you can work in uh, where you live, like a workshop or something like that? Uh, yeah, I have my garage. So that's pretty much it. And then my backyard. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, Bode, I saw, you, saw you, your hand was up. Yeah, I think uh, to start the space, I wanted to ask something which I never asked. I don't know why, but Nick, uh, Tech Double, uh, sorry, what happened to my tongue? Tech Bubble. So, what's the um, you know, idea behind that name or behind that username? Uh, what a good question. Yeah. So, uh, this comes uh, from the time when uh, I joined uh, uh, Twitter. Uh, the um, you know, there's always a, a bubble in, in technology, you know, and uh, so my thinking was like, what is a name that can be sort of ever evergreen, 
and uh, that's why I chose uh, tech tech bubble. And uh, also, uh, I forget his name now. Who was the the Fed chair who coined the term irrational exuberance? Um, you know, I, I think about that all the time and about uh, bubbles in technology. And uh, so, so yeah, this is about an uh, like no matter when we are in time. There's always some kind of bubble with technology, and so it's an ever evergreen kind of name. That's why I chose it. That's a pretty good name. Um, are you um, are you based in California? I saw that your profile said Mountain View. Wasn't sure if you're still there or if you uh, move around. No, I'm absolutely here in Silicon Valley in Mountain View, uh, the home of Google. This is all Google territory here. So yeah, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, you've you've probably lived through several tech bubbles. I love the idea that a tech bubble could be evergreen. Um, that's a really good that's a really good question. Um, and so we can we can see from your profile also you're an entrepreneur and you have had a, you have a, a real big focus on crypto and Web three. Um, but how did, what did you do prior to getting into this space? Um, given that you've been you know in in Silicon Valley for all these years, uh, did you have any um, tech involvement prior to getting into crypto? Yeah, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I've only worked in the corporate world in my life for one year. And after that, it's been a series of uh, startups. Uh, so I'm working concurrently on my fifth and sixth startup. Previously, I had uh, two failed startups and two exits. Uh, pretty much all of them venture funded. Well, that's really cool. And did those have to do with um, with um, consumer-based yeah. sort of process or like what type of uh, products? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. So my, my first startup was called iWidgets where I came up with the concept of embedding a software inside web pages. That was way back in the dot-com boom. It was uh, uh, iWidgets and came up with the concept of widgets, uh, raised capital uh, from um, Silicon Valley investors, etc. And I learned a lot. I was young and foolish. And then the dot-com bubble hit and uh, everything went south. So that one was uh, a failure. Uh, my biggest uh, exit and success to date was an open source platform on the Microsoft uh, stack. Uh, it was a content management system. It was designed for both developers and uh, end users. It made it super simple for end users to build very complex websites without having any technical knowledge. That ended up becoming the largest open source uh, project in the Microsoft ecosystem. And uh, we had a pretty large uh, worldwide community. Uh, at one point, it was half a million uh, developers. Uh, and the company is still going. Uh, that's pretty cool. That sounds like uh, my kind of uh, project where <laughs> you can build awesome things online without having to know too much code. That that would be me. Uh, I don't know um, how how we got along without that kind of stuff, but that's really awesome to know. So so how did what what was the point that you started uh, noticing crypto and starting to get into this sort of space with crypto and NFTs? Yeah, so I'm a, a hardcore geek, a hardcore nerd. I uh, forever tinkered with and built my own hardware machines and all of that kind of stuff, etc. And so when Bitcoin was out, I had my rigs at home and uh, had my electricity bills go off the roof, just mining Bitcoin and things like that. Uh, so that was that was a lot of fun. So uh, and then and Ethereum came along, and uh, uh, I learned about Solidity and the fact that you could actually write code for uh, blockchain. That got me even more hooked into it. And I started uh, delving into that. I spoke about Solidity at a number of conferences before it was even a thing. And uh, I talked about it enough where Udacity, the online platform, invited me to both create and teach their uh, blockchain nano degree uh, to help developers learn Solidity. So I did that. And I think my course is still 
active. It might have been updated a bit, but thousands of developers have learned Solidity uh, through that. Uh, so, so yeah, that uh, that uh, continued. And uh, at the time, sort of, I was just exiting um, uh, DNN, which is the the CMS I talked about, and I was trying to figure out what to do. And uh, I got uh, uh, into contact with uh, Scott Adams, the the creator of the Dilbert comic strip. If you've ever heard about it, yeah, uh, wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we co-founded a company together. Uh, called Venhub, uh, and we created a cryptocurrency. Uh, we built a product called Interface, which made it super simple for anyone to just use their mobile phone and find an expert on any topic anywhere and video chat with them without revealing any personal information and essentially get expert advice on tap with the whole billing handle via smart contract. So uh, we, we found early on that the user experience in crypto is a, is a deal breaker for consumers. It was extreme high friction. So we got to like 80,000 users or so, but we weren't scaling up as fast as we needed to be. So we closed that down. So that was one of my other failed companies. But I learned a lot from Scott. I mean, he's a New York Times bestselling author and he's written awesome books about entrepreneurship, et cetera. So I learned about, a lot about it. Uh, and I also learned about how to create uh, cryptocurrency from scratch, scale it up, you know, build uh, consumer-facing crypto products and things like that. So, so especially, like, I always say that, you know, like, failures are essential on the journey of success. And so that was one failure that really prepared me well for learning about crypto because I learned so much. And ironically, it was only, like, five, four months after that we shut, we shut it down that the pandemic hit and our product would have been absolutely amazingly useful during the pandemic. But, uh, you know, that's how it is with, with startups. It's timing, market, capital, all those things factor in. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like it would have been really useful. You would have had a lot of, uh, a lot of people being able to uh, create what they were, <laughs> what they were dreaming of. Um, so it, that is, that is so true, isn't it? That you have to have, um, you have to just be all in and learn everything that you can while you're, while you're moving from, you know, one idea to the next idea, um, when it comes to, when it comes to the space, especially, um, it moves so fast around here. Don't, don't, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, lightning fast and, uh, you have to be constantly learning and you have to be constantly evolving and you, uh, you know, in Silicon Valley, we have a phrase, ready, fire, aim. And I live and breathe that every single day. I don't worry too much about, uh, you know, um, getting into this analysis paralysis kind of mode uh, where you're dwelling too much on what if, if that, if that, etc. Just do it, you know, just get it done and, and let the chips fall uh, where they may. I feel like uh, inaction is... Uh, in fact, uh, a decision, right? right? So I, I don't want to do that. I want to constantly be moving, mind moving forward uh, and, you know, adjust and adapt. I think directionally, as long as you're headed in, in where you want to go, it doesn't matter if you take a few, you know, side lanes and things like that on the journey. Yeah, that's so true. That's a really uh, brave and courageous attitude. How, how did you, how did you like come up with this sort of um, mindset, um, you know, like being so ready and willing and open to try new ideas? Well, I think part of it comes from the fact that, you know, if you're an immigrant, which I am in the U.S., I came here when I was 17 and a half for my undergrad degree, you kind of prepare yourself for, for that. Like, you're going to try things, you're going to fail, you're going to pick yourself up or go and you keep doing that again and again. But, uh, you know, uh, it was, uh, I've always done this, but it was almost solidified 
uh, when I collaborated with uh, Scott Adams uh, on the project because he's written a book called How to Fail at Everything and Still Win Big. And I think that, in a sense, uh, codified exactly what I knew intuitively I was doing. And the theory goes like this. Uh, you know, if you try something and uh, you learn some a little bit, you, you get better at it a little bit, uh, and then you fail. Uh, you go on to the next thing. You maybe get a little better at something and you fail again. What's happening as you're going through those failures is you're incrementally improving yourself. And so what happens is in aggregate, you're going to be way better than you were at the onset. And so there is no other outcome possible than success. So uh, failure is only a failure if you stop. As long as you keep trying, you're in aggregate going to get better and better and better and learn from your mistakes uh, and make new mistakes, but you will learn from the previous ones. And so your chances, your odds of success improve every single uh, time. And so that's how I look at it. You know, I keep like, if you're not going to bat, you're never going to win. So you have to stand up and go to bat, you know? That's so true, isn't it? We uh, well, we have our resident nerd with us too, <laughs> who's on our speaker panel, Ev. And we what we usually do is uh, is break away, like um, kind of give him his own set of uh, set of you know of the stage here to talk nerd talk. But Ev, I want you to jump in here too if there's some questions that you have for Nick as we're going through this because we've got a, a tried and true uh, tech geek nerd with us, so. <laughs> yeah, but also, bo- also, <laughs> also book nerd. So I, I did read this book uh, by Scott Adams. It's pretty amazing, I really loved it. Um, I think I read it a couple of years ago and uh, it, it's quite fascinating. It, it's indeed kind of like you can fail, but something else comes along and maybe it's not monetary, but it's, uh, you know, experiences or friends or you just, you know, find a new uh, market or niche so highly recommend that uh, I don't know if we can if anybody can tweet about that or pin that it's uh, it's called how to fail at almost everything and still win big um, really love this and really fascinating that Nick you uh, had a chance to work with Scott that's pretty amazing yeah he's a great guy and one of the most amazing things you know I, like I worked on product I'm a product guy and it was it was we, me and the engineers, we would spend a lot of time crafting a particular UI or something that we thought was like so simple, you know, it just worked. And then we would go show it to Scott and literally all our testing, we had not had any failure. And inevitably within 30 seconds, he would find a bug like instantly. It was like, oh my God, you're driving nuts. But he taught me the value of, of, you know, getting rid of all the bullshit and keeping it super, super simple. So UI with like just one button. You know, and no options like, you know, th- that that is the kind of thing, simplicity we are talking about. So from from that experience, I learned how to create drop dead, very simple UIs that just work all the time. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I also learned a lot about humor. He did a lot of we did a lot of sessions on, you know, what is humor, etc. And uh, I'm not good at that, but I did learn <laughs> a few things. And uh, yeah, uh, it was, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, One other thing I learned, and actually this is something that I have been talking to a lot of successful people, especially a lot of creative successful people is the secret. Like what is their secret? Uh, How, how can they be successful? And uh, I have implemented the secret they told me now for going on two years. And I can tell you without fail that it works. The secret is very simple. Wake up early. So, so it won't work for you. But I have started to wake up 
at 4 a.m. Uh, and do my work. Uh, honestly, every successful, really successful creative person, I ask them, what is their secret? It's just wake up early. Because what I've found is that your brain is on on it's hyperactive it's like so so clear and crisp and you can achieve in one hour early in the morning what would take you three maybe four hours during the day so i practice that and it sure as heck works that's really good advice <laughs> i have a dog that wakes me up very early in the morning so i'll just say thanks to him yeah in my defense crouching at my defense my cat in my defense, my cat wakes up every day at 4.30. I had to feed her and then go. So you're saying that your cat will get ahead in life uh, before you do? <laughs> She's already ahead in life. Look at her staring at me right now. So the, your cat the, is being very successful. Yeah, the cat will have more followers and already hosted more spaces than uh, Subot did. So we just uh, need to find that cats uh, count. Well, I think it is really important to have our brains firing and, and doing all the, the best work that they can. Do you do you stay up late also, Nick, or do you just um, kind of get up early, do some work? Do, do, you, do you give yourself some playtime every day as well, or is it all work? So I don't know what work is, honestly, Pam, and I'm not kidding when I say that. For me, uh, the day anything I do is work, I will stop doing it. Everything is play. Everything is fun. Uh, I get out of bed every day excited about what I'm doing and I go to bed excited still. Uh, I, I try and get my four, my five hours usually of, of sleep and that's good good for me. It works well. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't consider anything I do work. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, that's awesome. I think you're, I think we've got a lot of people in this space who might um, be able to really closely relate to that because um, when artists are working on what they're doing, um, I feel like it's it's one of those um, fun things as well. They don't see it as work. <laughs> so, um, but of course there is there is that um, that need to to make all of this activity that we do turn into something that we can make a living from. And I know you are are really big into that too. Um, I want to to just. Um, ask you about um so so it sounds like you were you were mining bitcoin your your um electricity bills were were off the charts um but when when did you start uh because i know nfts came around of course after uh you know after all the the bitcoin started making it on the scene um so what what was your first entry into like the world of nfts and what was that like yeah so that was uh, with the first one crypto kitties so i was there on day one of uh, uh crypto kitties and i have a few of the gen zero i guess or whatever is what they call it then uh subsequent to that uh, nba top shot i was uh, big into that i'm probably top 0.1 percent collectors on uh top shot uh yeah so uh uh, really working very early on in in the nft and and uh, crypto space uh, long before it became such a huge uh huge kind of market wow and crypto kitties were early right that's basically like slowed down the whole ethereum to to a halt that summer that was pretty yeah. crazy yeah the erc 721 spec came from the crypto yeah. kitties project yeah the co-founder uh created that which is kind of pretty cool and ended up with dapper labs <laughs> on his hands yeah 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 those are that feels like you know we're talking like the super old days uh that you know happened a while back and uh it's uh, pretty incredible to uh basically see that it just happened less than five years ago that it was like summer 2017 and that 
feels like super early and then well i think we're still pretty early <laughs> i think that's been said many times uh and it's uh, as relevant as it was uh throughout this whole period basically yeah i liken this to like you know some kind of uh, packaging that has like three layers or something like that. We barely got the first layer open at this point. Like we are so early in this game. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it is cliched, but it is what it is. Uh, we are very early in this game and uh, there's a lot more advancement uh, to be done. I'll give you a simple ex- example, right? We look at NFTs today and uh, we are enmeshed in this space, etc. But what most artists don't realize is that the NFT spec as it stands right now has absolutely nothing, nothing in the way of, uh, for example, cryptographic uh, uh, identity of whatever the asset is. It has no metadata on chain. Uh, really, both the NFT specs right now are, amount to an address and a, a random number, a token ID. That's about, the, uh, about what you have. So I think future specs that evolve from it will be more uh, uh, mindful of having things in there, uh, like actually having provenance data, et cetera, on on chain, which isn't there right now, and which is why you have scams and duplicates and frauds and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we are are early in the game, and it's a very exciting time because we get to shape the future. For sure. And uh, this is, you you know, you're kind of like stepping on uh, what I normally do, this nerd talk, explaining those things. Uh, But you're right. It's, you know, that part is hard. It's hard to have private data on the blockchain that so many companies raise so much funds to try to solve. Um, and you know the, the the way things are operating, and like you know when whenever we have the nerd talks or discussions, I'm like, this is the uh, a very exciting technology that in theory works extremely well, and we never had anything like this before, where we can have world class cryptography available. Uh, to anyone to secure like just JPEGs, but we still have so much more to go because it sort of barely works. <laughs> and like, there's so many things uh, with, you know, duplicate mints and stuff like that, that needs to get solved for, uh, and that's just like a tiny little piece out of multitude of like hundreds of different problems that uh, still exist and so many companies and entrepreneurs raise so much money to try to solve this that it's pretty uh unlikely that we will not solve them it feels very likely that those will be solved and we'll have just a better technology that everybody will be able to use um just want to kind of like hurry this up (laughs) to to make it happen faster well uh you know with the dow nifty dreams dow that is one of our focus areas also we intend to write up uh, some new specs that are uh more favorable for artists because if you think about the specs right now they were written for general purposes uh there's no reason why we couldn't have specific specs that are artist centric that take into account all the specific needs and wants of of creators um so yeah we're gonna do that that's awesome we're all about that (laughs) we're all about having a a more you know a better a better playing field for artists around around the world um and um Speaking of art and artists, and your, I, I want to get into to Nifty Dreams DAO, um, to so we can so we can learn a little bit more about what you're doing there. Um, but I do know that you, as um, like your your own person, has um, collected work um, from Sloika. I think you've collected about 25 pieces at last count. 
um, from Sloika Verified Photographers. Um, let me just quickly list them because we have a couple of them in the, in the audience, I think. But Jesse Oberai, Haysom Ali, Kevin Paul Zalabu, Ibrahim Elmi, Bondu Day, and our very own Sabod Shetty, um, who's on stage with us. So um, when when you are collecting photography for yourself does are you are, is that for your own wallet i know if you were so early that you have crypto kitties and i see you you know some other really um prestigious uh prestigious nfts and pfps in your wallet um what do you look for when you're collecting photography per se uh great question so uh i as a f- you know, I have thought about this very deeply, and I don't consider myself a collector, and I actually tweeted about this. I consider myself a catalyst. Let me explain that to you. Um, when I uh, encounter someone interesting or something interesting someone says, that is what is uh, triggers me to go collect. Uh, so I start with a person uh, always, always, and I connect with them in some fashion, whether it's offline or usually online. And then I go explore their their profile. And I go to all the marketplaces where they have listings and I try and find something that then grabs my, my attention and something I like. And that's when I hit the, the buy button. So uh, I, I don't look at a piece of art first and go, oh, I, I need to get that. I rarely venture into that uh, in, in, in that fashion. It's always based upon a person's interestingness. Uh, that's one one vector, and the other vector is uh, uh, I, I am uh, I guess I, I care deeply about uh, social causes, uh, and also I want to help people. So uh, frequently, my purchases are around uh, being a catalyst for enabling someone to do something in their life that they couldn't otherwise do. I use I use uh, the NFT as a vector for for doing that. So that's basically how I go about. Uh, collecting it's very random and it's certainly not very strategic and i'm definitely not a connoisseur of of art or photography in fact i know very little but i know people and i know that if i can i i I can tell when someone is passionate inspired or needs help and i want to connect with them and reach out to them and help them out and uh, uh, you know be a part of their journey that's so cool. Well, and I, I, from what I've seen, and, and like I said, this is our first time talking. So um, it seems like you have, you do have this really deep invested desire um, to, to, to really help out artists around the world and, and artists in the space, particularly. Um, and, and is there, is there a reason why, um, why, you know, going, going at this, like helping people who need some help, why it why it came out as like why why is this art you know why are you um doing this with artists per se versus like some other um social enterprise i guess that would have a a way for you to help people in other parts of you know other doing other work that's such a good question yeah i could always just whip out my credit card and go you know donate to something right but i feel like in web3 the ethos of web3 is about an egalitarian uh, society and I feel like if I'm going to be in this uh, Web3 ecosystem, I need to actually live, breathe, and, and uh, embody its, that, that ethos. And, and for me, that means uh, not sort of uh, passing the buck to a middle organization to do my work for me. I want to make it very, very direct. And uh, I feel very strongly that social media, especially in the past decade, has created a society uh, which doesn't really reflect the best of us as humans. 
there's a lot of animosity. There's a lot of bickering. There's a lot of, you know, stuff like that. And I thought, like, what, what is what is the antidote for this? And I feel art is the antidote for this. I feel like if more people were exposed to art, uh, we could have a kinder, gentler world. And I, I don't, I you know, I know that's a very simplistic way to look at it, but I do believe in it. I do believe that the more people are, are exposed to art, the less our very divisive politics, our polarized world uh, can can get better, can heal. Uh, and uh, so I I want to to promote that. Um, my my mom uh, battled cancer and passed away in Jan 2018, and I promised her that I would do more good in the world. And so my love for art and my passion for doing good are combined very very neatly in in what I'm doing with uh, with the NFT space. Wow, that's just so so well put. And I have to say, I'm I'm in total agreement with you um, that you know the more art there is in the world, the, hopefully that's bringing out the 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 better. Um, human qualities that we that we would want to see more of, um, but as you know, artists are always uh, using their voice to to make commentary on the way things are. So, by you giving a voice to to all of the folks out there who are uh, seeing and and observing and reacting and creating things to to bring you know wider awareness to that, the better. Um, so that's that's really exciting. So um, I want to hear all about Nifty Dream Style because I, it sounds like um, this is this is a project that you've got going on now that really gets to the heart of what you as a person and your personal goals are to make the world a better place and and you know heal that polarization, um, help create you know even just a better society. So how, tell because I've, I've looked at the I've looked at the um, benefactor deck and everything like that, but can you tell us about um, just give us a highlight of what Nifty Dreams DAO is all about and how people can get involved? It looks like you you were involved in the Namaste NFT um, uh, exposition last year. Was that was that one of your first projects? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Nifty Dreams came about. Here I was going about minding my own business, running a, a startup. So I have another startup called Decentology. We raised $4.3 million, and we are building a platform to make it easy for developers to get into Web3. But here I was doing that, and then I, I chanced upon a clubhouse uh, where they were talking about one-of-one art. I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. Went and got into a bid war and drove the price up to, I think, like 6000 bucks or something like that. I'm like, whoa, this is interesting. Uh, and then immediately started uh, collecting stuff, and... Uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, I, I study uh, ecosystems, I study markets, and it didn't take me very long to see what the problem was in this ecosystem, in that uh, there was a surge of artists coming into this space, uh, and having they were having to learn new skills, they were having to learn marketing, sales, social media, etc., that they were ill-equipped for. You know, artists prefer to sit, to be in their studio, be in the creator, creator mindset, and be creating, and not be doing all these uh, other things. So uh, I, I uh, looked at the data and I felt like uh, discoverability was a huge problem. And so I started doing this uh, kind of uh, weekly uh, YouTube show where I interviewed four or five artists and, you know, I've talked to them a little bit. I, I'm not that well known, and but I figured something is better than nothing. I, I always am unafraid to take the step, even if it means the reach is very small. I, I did that for, for a while. And uh, as it... Uh, uh, you know, I, I was collecting as I went along, and uh, I, I found it interesting 
to to do contests and things like that, challenges for artists. Uh, I love puzzles, so I started creating all kinds of puzzles for artists to solve, and that actually, uh, you know, sort of grew my audience. And I learned more and more about artists and about the the problems in the space. And uh, one one day, I was talking about my upcoming trip to India with my uncle uh, Tiwari. He's at MacClix. Uh, and I mentioned that I was going to be there. He said, we should have a meetup. And I said, why don't we have a conference? And he's like, okay. Uh, and uh, literally a week later, he had gotten together like 50 volunteers. And he's like, where's the money going to come from? So I said, okay, I'll spend like 50K or something like that. And uh, it did not take very long for that thing to blossom. And it end- ended up, uh, we could not get any sponsors, etc. So I spent 250k but we had a great conference it was an amazing conference and we had 10,000 people show up and uh, uh, we had people from all over the world and we made a lot of new friends it's, uh, and for me it was the moment where it solidified that I am going to do something in this space that conference was uh, was amazing it was life-changing for me and so yeah out of that uh, emerged uh the Nifty Dreams DAO. And literally, it was after that that uh, uh, I started writing up the business plan for the DAO. It was it was in my notes for a long time. I don't like to go about anything half-assed. I like to really think through the vision of it. And the way I approach Nifty Dreams DAO is like, okay, I want to solve problems for artists and I want to solve it for the long term. So I said, let's first write the business plan for 100 years. So that's what I started doing. I started writing the business plan for 100 years and I said, what is, what is the problem we want to solve? And the problem is that today we live in a world where when you ask people, what is your profession? Uh, most people, engineers, doctors, stockbrokers, whatever, just respond with one word, but artists seldom do. They always have some other profession and then, oh yeah, I'm an artist on the side. And I want to change that dynamic. I want to change it so when people say, what is your profession? Artist, that's it. One word, you can respond with that. And that's that's the genesis of Nifty Dreams DAO. I want to make it also possible for artists to have a sustainable income uh, so they don't have to worry about the next sale or whatever where it's this dopamine hit that might last them a day, a week, a month, depending on where in the world they live. I want them to be able to have a sustainable uh, income. And really, uh, if you look at society, I want an artist to be able to hold their head up high. There's, We know time and time again of families that are like, you're going to be an artist? No, why don't you go this different route? You know, that, that, that has to change. That narrative has to change. And it has to start somewhere. And why not us? Why not now? So that's what the, the, the DAO is. And, and finally, uh, it's, it's irritating to me. I live in Silicon Valley where we are wealthy here, you know, and uh, you have this narrative of wealthy engineers and wealthy doctors and all that, but you seldom hear of wealthy artists, right? You only hear of starving artists. Why? Why can't we create the first generation of wealthy artists? Uh, that's what I wanted to start doing. Why can't we have artists be wealthy while they are freaking alive, not 100 years after they're dead? You know, so that's what we are. So, so Nifty Dreams DAO is not about collecting art or doing things like that. We are set to solve huge problems. It's going to take a time, a little bit of time to do that, but it's for the long term. And it's a, it's a, it's a DAO for artists, by artists, and designed to really make a big impact uh, on art and artists in society. 
Well, if I had the uh, the soundboard like some of our listeners do, like Curious, I would be playing the applause really, really loud and be like, "There you go, thanks, Savon. Thank you, Savon. <laughs> He's the best co-host ever." <laughs> um, this is amazing. This is really, really great to hear. What a, an amazing goal and um, and just uh, the uh, yeah the the objective and. Um, I don't know. I'm just saying like uh, the objective of this is, is like all in. I love, I love where this is going. Um, I, I think it's, it's something that we discussed in the earlier spaces and I'll just chime in that it's okay to make money from art. Like there's nothing shameful. Uh, and you know, when, when we have some of the, um, uh, threads as to like, oh, do you artists deserve royalties and things like this? It's like, well, <laughs> like, why not? You know, like this, this some, of, some of those are really uh, uh, pushing the boundaries as to like artists always have to be starving artists. And, you know, a healthy diet is, is definitely not going to hurt uh, most people. So, uh, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's okay to create art and be a well-respected and well-earning artist because, hey, if it makes someone's life better, whether you're a photographer or illustrator, um, and we're surrounded by visual arts, you know, all, all, all over us. And, like, we're surrounded by music, we're surrounded by so many different um artists just knowing that like hey somebody made this <laughs> so how is this someone doing like let's uh, you know can we check up on them anyway so i do think it's it's important so uh, nick i appreciate that you're doing that thank you thank you very much yeah i just wanted to say you know nick was uh, speaking about starving artists and struggling artists that's every artist's life you know whoever gives up that job and takes up this full time it's just one life after that you know you take that chance and you just struggle through the whole thing that's been my case as well you know i never shy away from saying that since i quit it's been good but till the covid came in and then everything changes so i other day sent a dm to nick as well you know about this part that you know maybe some collectors won't realize you know it may they may just buy our work and okay for you know just because maybe art is good or okay this person gets uh, satisfied with the collect but there's much much more beyond that you know you when you do that you know you are literally paying your bills uh, of that month or for the next three months or whatever you know that exactly what happens every single day in my life since I uh, came into NFT it's been paying my bills from that day you know uh, what you said starving artist struggling artist it's every single day but it gets better with time thanks to this wonderful moment happening here so it's happening already so really appreciate that just wanted to say it out yeah thank you guys for for chiming in on that i um so okay so the the nifty dream style um it it looks so can you tell us just like how it how it's functioning because it i know you had the uh, the namaste nft event was was where this whole idea of creating a dao and creating this sustainable way for artists to to move through the world um that kind of was the spark of the idea but how how is this being put into motion like how can people get involved um both as a uh you know someone who can support it financially as well as as an artist who um could be the the um recipient of you know 
the good activities that you guys are doing? Yeah. Uh, so the easiest way to get uh, involved is uh, to mint what we call a Dreamer Pass. So let me uh, explain how the DAO is structured and what we're doing. So basically what we have uh, for governance for the DAO for voting purposes, we have a set of 10,000 NFTs. We call them Dreamer NFTs. And those are available to artists. I've designed the DAO in a way where artists always have full control. Because if you look at some other DAOs, uh, they are designed uh, where voting is uh, held by how many tokens you have. Uh, and that's easy for whales to come in and buy a whole bunch and then take over the, the DAO. And I wanted to create a scenario where that was impossible to do. So we have uh, 10,000 Dreamer uh, NFTs, and those are time limited. So they are an annual kind of uh, NFT. And buying a Dreamer Pass gives you the ability to essentially uh, uh, participate in the DAO governance for that period of time. So if you go to my profile and click the link, it'll take you to mint.niftydreams.com, and you can select. You can buy up to ten Dreamer passes, and you can select a term for each one. It could be up from one year to five years, and they are uh, 0.015 ETH. Uh, so I think what is it like twenty bucks? Uh, when we set, set when we set about uh, we had set the price to like twenty five dollars, uh, but it should be a little cheaper now. Uh, the idea here is to make it super affordable for most artists uh, to to get in. Uh, so that's one part of the equation. The second part of the equation is how do we execute on this grand vision of ours, the plan that's there, and for that. Uh, you know, I look at the DAO like a startup business, which needs seed capital. And that seed capital is coming by way of a second class of NFT we have called the Benefactor NFT. And there we have 2,605 of them, uh, ranging in price from $250 uh, to uh, $250,000 each. And we are going to raise $5.5 million. And that's essentially the seed capital uh, for the DAO to start executing on its projects. Uh, the two main projects that we are working on right now, and the first one is an initiative in South America uh, called Grand Chaco. So there's this 4 million square kilometer area in the Amazon rainforest where there are lots and lots of uh, uh, indigenous artists in different communities. So I visited uh, uh, several of them in Paraguay and Argentina. I sat with the artists. I learned how they work. Um, and uh, I'm trying to come up with a mechanism by which NFTs can be used to fund indigenous artists everywhere in the world. So we'll take the South American model and replicate it in Africa, India, etc. So that's one project. And that's uh, partially funded by several NGOs uh, that are fairly uh, well-known and popular. The second project we are working with is a company in Portugal called Diverge Sneakers. They make custom sneakers. And uh, what we are doing is creating a channel by which one of one art can make its way onto custom uh, sneakers. Uh, so uh, I can talk more about that. But uh, so those are the two main projects. And then we are allocating one and a quarter million dollars to artist uh, driven projects. So any artist anywhere in the world who has a dreamer pass can propose a project and a project plan and a budget for that. And uh, the DAO will vote. And uh, if it's approved, you get your money and you go about creating your your project. Now, what would these projects be? Well, the DAO is organized uh, using sort of a Silicon Valley incubator model. Our quest is to identify those ways in which we can innovate in NFTs, in NFT art in particular, to be able to create new avenues of monetization for NFT. Uh, our thesis is that uh, the marketplace approach uh, will be roughly 30% of the over, overall NFT art space. 
the remaining 70% of income has to come from somewhere else. And the thesis of this DAO is that it is going to come from the retail consumer product space where personalization technology has now evolved to the point where it is possible to have personalized goods. Uh, and if you look around your home, you know, in your life in general, there are so many things that can be personalized. And that goes back to my original point about how can I, how can we make it possible for art to be everywhere? So we want art to be on curtains, on bed sheets, on your cars, on your computer cases, everywhere. And we want it to be one-of-one art. So we are creating a model through, through the DAO where artists can create a recurring licensing revenue. And so our projects that we want to fund are designed to explore those. And like an incubator model, 80% of the projects we fund will fail. Uh, 10 to 15% will be meh, you know, they'll go somewhere, but not too big. But one to 2% will be huge. They'll be out of the park. And those are the ones we'll double down on then and scale massively to be able to create billions of dollars of revenue. So that's kind of where we are headed. So starting the journey uh, by buying our Dreamer Mint Pass is the best way. If you can't afford one, join our Discord anyway, because everyone is welcome. The Dreamer Pass is strictly for voting. Uh, we'll airdrop, uh, we're going to introduce a token soon called the NFTV token. So you'll be airdropped uh, a token. Uh, you get to, uh, you get some other rights, including the ability to, you know, propose a project and get a project funded. Uh, you also go to the front of the line whenever we have events, etc. And we'll also have some exclusive Dreamer events. But again, the DAO is open to every artist in the world. Uh, there's just going to be 10,000 for, uh, for voting and governance purposes, but every artist is welcome. Wow, that's really great. And I have to say thank you to Sabode for pinning some of these tweets to the top of the space so that people can follow along and, and know where to find you. Um, so it sounds like Discord is a really good place for people to jump in and, and be able to uh, become part of the community and really understand a little bit more what's going on. Absolutely. But, we, you know, we are a new community. Things are still, uh, we're we are still got the training wheels on, if you will, you know. Uh, so come on in and be part of the journey. You know, help us create this this DAO and uh, do some amazing things in the world. That's really cool. So, okay, I want to go back to the 101 art on sneakers because that sounds like a really cool thing. <laughs> and um, how did you find this place in Portugal that's making these uh, the, the customized sneakers? Uh, the, the founder reached out to me, actually. And uh, honestly, uh, I was struggling with finding out the business model. I, I'm like, what will the business model be? How can I make it possible for artists to have a sustainable income? And he reached out to me and he showed me uh, his platform, uh, which is DivertSneaker.com. And you start with a blank sneaker and you go about every step of the way. And at the end of it, uh, at checkout, you can actually mint an NFT, uh, which gives the provenance and ownership for that sneaker design. And uh, we got talking and I'm like, wait a minute, at the last step, I could have a gallery of art and you could choose from that and you could mint that at the point. And he goes, yeah. And they actually did an experiment with a famous artist in Portugal there. And that actually was mind blowing there because it immediately shifted my whole thinking. Right now, we have a mint first philosophy for art. Uh, I this changed it completely. We are going to have a mint last philosophy. So in other words, uh, minting of art in our model happens at the point of sale when the consumer actually pays for it. They, they, they mint an NFT that says, okay, you have license to this thing for this product, for this use case, and here's the provenance of it, et cetera. So uh, uh, we are actually moving forward with that. In fact, uh, if you join our Discord at 1 p.m. Pacific uh, tomorrow, 
uh, we'll have an open meeting. We'll be talking about the strategy on how we're going to move forward with that. We're doing a pilot with 25 uh, artists. Uh, and we'll be discussing the logistics of how we create the templates and all that and how we implement the DAO's new uh, consignment uh, model. So if I may just briefly parse that out a bit, uh, in the real world today, if you're an artist, you go to a gallery and you consign your artwork to them and they take on the responsibility of marketing it and they take a hefty chunk, almost 50% you know, of, of the income from that. So we are a DAO, we don't need to make money. So our model is kind of slightly different. In the consignment model, we will have a smart contract where you consign your artwork to us, whether it's photogra- f- photographs, studio work, music, whatever. And uh, in the contract, you basically choose the use cases you will allow and the licensing models you'll allow and the price range you will allow. And now that consigned work goes into the DAO's uh, artwork pool. And so we now have the ability to go to retail brands and, uh, you know, if they're looking for uh, a pool of, you know, a thousand photos of the ocean, we can look in our uh, our pool, our consignment pool, and find thousand photos of, of oceans and make it available uh, to them. So this is not, like in the world of NFTs, this is new, but uh, in the world of like traditional licensing of photos, et cetera, uh, it's not new, albeit the the payment model uh, of Web2 sucked there. We're going to fix that. But in terms of the consignment model, uh, this is this is how we intend to, to do it. So once someone's art is picked and applied by a consumer on a personalized good, uh, everything happens on chain. Uh, so they get the, the consumer pays. The funds go into the DAO's treasury, and from there they get split up. You know, a portion goes to the artist, a portion goes into the DAO to cover costs. We expect that that'll be like maybe one, one, two percent, something like that. Really small. Uh, again, you know, we are not in the business of making a profit, so we don't have to uh, take take a big bite of, out of that. But uh, uh, we might put a portion of that uh, into uh, sort of a staking pool. Uh, that allows people to grow their money. We are we are we are incorporating elements of DeFi into this. Uh, I don't know. We call it ArtFi or something like that. Also, but uh, yeah. So that's kind of uh, what we want to do with Divert Sneakers. The project is just getting off the ground, and we are super excited uh, to have that because if we can pull that off, if we, I'm pretty. I'm 99% sure we'll pull it off. Then it becomes the blueprint for how we can go to other uh, retail vendors. Like I imagine a day not very far into the future, but every music concert you go to the ticket you get is a one-of-one art because you know concerts are memorable uh i i imagine uh that uh your credit cards are one-of-one art like there are so many vectors for retail and one-of-one art intersection we're going to find them all and we are going to monetize them all very very cool i so I, I really love where this is going. Um, and I have to say, I just came back from Portugal and I found so many um, shops there where like everything was like, this is made in Portugal. It was like all these clothing items and like eyeglasses and sneakers and shoes and just all kinds of clothes. Um, I couldn't believe how much was actually like manufactured there and they were really like touting it. And so I, that's, I was just curious how, how you uh, intersected with a, an entrepreneur from Portugal, but I guess they're... Um, there's a, uh, a burgeoning manufacturing, um, or at least very obvious manufacturing of those types of things over there. Um, this is really exciting. So I have, okay, this is just a really detailed question, but when you say one of our, one of one art on sneakers, okay, so sneakers do wear out. 
So if I buy a one of one art for my sneakers, can I buy like after these this pair wears out, can I put it on the, the next pair? <laughs> I don't know the answer to the question, but we're going to find out. You should participate in the discussion and be part of form- formulating those answers. You know, like th- th- this is the thing, right? Like that's the beauty of a DAO is I don't, I'm not the person who has all the answers. I'm just the person who lit the spark a little bit and getting smart, interested, intelligent people into the conversation to make these decisions. Uh, uh, so yeah, we're going to figure these things out as we go. I don't have all the answers. Okay, well, that's a good answer, actually. Um, and I want to just take a, a second. Uh, we've been here almost an hour. I really appreciate all your time. I don't want to keep you beyond uh, what what you have available for us. But I wanted to also ask Sabod and Ev if you guys have any questions you want to um, add in here. Um, and also ask you, Nick, if how's your time? Are, do you have a few more minutes to spend with us? Yeah, I'm, I'm good on time. Okay, okay, great. Thank you. Well, what, what I'm realizing is that I do have a Nifty Dreamers uh, NFT and now I kind of like so behind all the discords that uh, I'll, I'll probably try to do this right now while you know while we're in the conversation to to be in the discord see what's going on uh, because I, I like to uh, participate in stuff but then you know I would buy something and then I would forget and then you know just kind of like never find the time so uh, thanks Nick for explaining that and I kind of like you know proposing those projects seems like a really cool idea for for artists because um it's it's something that we sort of explored uh, almost a year ago where you know we do realize that a lot of artists have a lot of amazing ideas but usually it's the funding that's hard to find and so obviously there's a lot of resources and support that's available but it's kind of like fragmented in a way that's like the the pots of gold that's available available for the artist is fairly small and they have to like oh you have to do something here and then you have to do something there and i wish there was a system that is just like hi i'm an artist i've been working on this for a while i just want to finish this can i have some money you know and basically just make it uh as quickly as possible where we can verify you know or like you can verify but we as a society i guess uh can verify that this is a legit project that you know the people behind that are uh, will put it to to, to good use for you know for the betterment of uh, of society and just just let them do that you know just uh, as simple without committees and like you know write up the whole i don't know like the whole novel and we'll think if we're gonna give you money or not but something more simple where it's like i'm an artist <laughs> please uh just give me a little bit of uh that help and support that you know so many uh, uh so many are trying to assemble and it seems like this is going to be one of the bigger uh, one of the bigger places where people can get it at nifty dreams yeah we just did our first uh, fund actually we called it da Vinci fund it was tiny it was only four thousand dollars and we gave away uh, two grants of one thousand each and four or five hundred it was very simple everyone submitted a form with their video of their project and and, uh, you know, a description and uh, how much money they needed, how they were going to use it. Everyone, we wrote, a, we actually wrote a voting app because uh, people use Snapshot, et cetera, for DAOs. And we tried it and like, okay, most artists will not know what's going on. And so we, we wrote a simple voting app. And not everyone voted because of the, the gas cost uh, in the future. We'll deal with that also where the DAO will pay the gas cost so it won't be a problem. But in this, uh, for this one, we wanted it to be totally raw so we had the vote and now we have the winners and tomorrow we are going to award funds 
so uh, and then we'll rinse repeat we'll just keep doing it larger and larger so we started with 4000 we'll probably bump it up to like 10 or 15000 and then keep going and and we'll so so our our goal is to break up this one and a quarter million into smaller funds and more targeted so there might be a fund that's strictly for photographers, for example, who want to go on an excursion into an indigenous area and photograph villages or whatever. That aligns with our mission. So that would be a project that we would we would uh, have the DAO vote on and fund. That is really, really cool. Um, so tell us some more about the... Um, okay, so just because I know people are probably feeling excited about hearing this information. So they, sh- they should go to your... Um, your Twitter profile. I should go to Nifty Dreams uh, profile. Follow that one. Get on the Discord. Um, if they're if it's possible to buy one of these governance NFTs, try to do that because that will help support. But even if they can't buy it, you're saying that everyone could still go to the DAO, or do they need a governance um, NFT to be part of the DAO meetings? No, no. You, 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 every artist is welcome. Our goal is to make you know our mission is to make it possible for every artist to have a meaningful. Uh, income so everyone is welcome the pass uh, is great because it gives you control and governance rights but you can certainly benefit from everything we are doing without it for example you know uh, right now we are still in fundraising mode you know we've barely uh, uh, started uh, reaching out to benefactors I was just in Dubai for two weeks got back uh, spoke to a few galleries and it was really awesome to to have our business plan validated by our gallery so we are now sort of uh, starting out the the benefactor portion of it uh, and to raise our capital from there. So a, a lot of what we are doing right now is mostly organic things. Uh, the more specific, uh, basically we are doing everything we can uh, while we are at simultaneously raising capital. You know, uh, we are not going to wait until we have all the capital before we start doing things. There's no reason to like, for example, diverge, we can do things there uh, with uh, Grand Chaco. I did Paraguay, Argentina. Now we are planning a trip to Bolivia so we can go and look at, what those artists are doing and solidify our, our business, our, our vision for NFTs for indigenous artists there, et cetera. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and very soon, probably in a week's time or so, we will start our formal push, uh, to start reaching out to galleries, museums, NGOs, art collectors, et cetera, uh, and open up the benefactor drop for everybody. So, uh, that's, that's when we will actually, uh, you know, uh, start getting capital in and it's a bear market. I get it. So things will be a little slow, but that does that won't stop us. We'll keep on moving forward. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, so this the the Grand Chaco uh, part of your project. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what kinds of art um, people would be supporting if they were able to, um, you know, support those artists through the purchase of NFTs? Yeah. So uh, uh, when when I went there, uh, both to to Par, Par Asuncion and uh, uh, Formosa in, in Argentina, th- those artisans were generally creating uh, work where they took uh, like native grasses and things like that and processed them. Uh, I say processed uh, in the sense you know they dry them and things like that, and and then weave them into these elaborate. Uh, you know, utilitarian objects or artworks. Uh, so both of those, they also do hand-drawn artworks of uh, nature and animals and creatures around them, etc. So uh, what we decided to do uh, for the first um, thing is an experiment, and we created uh, what is uh, an experiential NFT. So you buy the NFT, and you essentially get to go meet the artists and uh, uh, spend time with them, and uh, you know, get get some of their their art. Uh, what I discovered after doing this 
is that not many collectors will be willing to do it because it was really, really roughing it. Like I sat in a car for seven hours, uh, you know, on bumpy roads and stuff like that and went into these remote parts, you know, that uh, most people would never venture to. So it got me thinking, like, how, how would it work? And the one thing I learned about uh, these artists is that they are very communal. Everything is about community in there. So uh, they don't think about me as an individual, like me, I'm the artist. It's like we as a community. And uh, in fact, uh, you know, uh, as at uh, one one village where the chief uh, was thanking me at the end and she told the story about how one of the girls there, she was, I think, 14, uh, had lost both her parents and her grandparents to COVID. And she's like, uh, normally, you know, in, in your world, like the outside world, she would be an orphan. But here, uh, the the community, she's a child of the community, and we are all supporting her, you know, so I'm like, whoa, that, that's, that's so cool. Uh, and that's how much community is important uh, to, to them. And so uh, the, the model we are toying with uh, now is that uh, when these goods uh, sort of uh, are available for sale, when you buy them, uh, there is also a, a sustainability uh, kind of factor that you can add uh, when you're purchasing. And that sustainability uh, factor, I'll come up with a better marketing term. Sorry, uh, that's a raw, terrible term. But the idea is that you buy the product and you add one week, two week, one month, etc., a duration for which you will also sustain the community. So this is intended for, uh, I would guess, impact collectors, people who are not just about collecting the art, but also want to make an impact in the world. Uh, so you, your, your, your purchase pays to acquire that indigenous artist's work, but it also pays to support their community for X amount of time. So that's kind of the model we're trying with. We, we will experiment with many of these models before we come up with one that works well and we know that just because it works in south america doesn't mean it'll work in africa it doesn't work mean it'll work in india but you know experimentation is the name of the game so we are also experimenting with having the artists come to a museum in the city where there is a room set up etc where people in the city can come and meet with them uh in the comfort of the museum you know uh, see their art etc buy their art etc so we are we are experimenting in all kinds of things like that and it'll be uh it'll be a little bit of time before we find the right thing this is not an easy problem to solve but we are committed to solving it yeah it sounds like it that's that's really exciting i love hearing all of this um Sabo, did you have something to add in i thought i saw you no i'm patiently listening uh and thank you so much it's been a wonderful uh, discussion so far okay cool i'm sorry i thought i saw your hand there for a second um so um, th- I think this is really exciting. It, do- it does sound like um, there's just there's going to be a way for for the um, the community to really kind of support these these other community artists out there as well. If if the if the uh, buy-in is you know buying art, but then also you know if you can level up and, and help people on a more sustained basis, that um, that that was, that's probably something that will be very popular among the space. Um, I was I was wanting to bounce back over to the um, these retail products, and it sounds like you can buy a pair of sneakers that you actually put on your feet and wear out in the real world. Um, are you going to have a metaverse uh, component of that where people can wear something like that? You know, if they're roaming around a uh, a, a metaversal uh, ecosystem somewhere near you. <laughs> I, I think the answer is yes. We're going to explore every way possible to monetize it. But Pam, like if you think about it, right, like the scale of things, like we are trying to find things that can scale 
to millions and millions of users right now. And uh, we are still, uh, the metaverse is still in its infancy and anything we do that would be experimental at, uh, at this juncture. But uh, we, we want to focus our energies first on things that we can actually start doing at scale, you know? And uh, for me, uh, being able to put money in the pockets of our artists right now is the highest uh, priority. And so, yeah, if, if, if that happens to be the metaverse, then I hope someone, once we have a fund for, uh, uh, available for that, I hope someone proposes a project that says, you know, here's how we would create NFTs that uh, would personalize garments or whatever in the metaverse and, you know, do that. So we are open to all kinds of experiments. That's really cool. Um, well, I I imagine that you're going to have a lot of really creative ideas coming your way, given that you're working with uh, a community of artists. Um, and I've got someone trying to come up here to ask a question. Eric, I'm trying to bring you up on stage. Um, there we go. Maybe it finally worked. It kept saying there was a, an error bringing... Oh, I'm still getting the same thing. Eric, I'm having trouble bringing you up. Uh, maybe you could leave the space and come back. I don't know what's happening there. Um but let me see if we've got a couple other speakers. Um, Rosarto, I see you're here, and I'm going to bring you up as a speaker to see if you have any questions. Um, yeah, Eric Perez is a is a, uh, a an artist in the space. You're you're probably very familiar with him and Kim Henry's work, but he's also a very creative thinker when it comes to uh, Web three and things that can be done with art in Web three with a serious kind of roadmap. And let's first go to Rosarto. Hi, welcome to the stage. Rosarta, did you have a question for us? Uh, maybe he's not able to speak right now. Okay, so let's, we'll come back. Uh, Mahin, hi, welcome. Hi, Pam. Um, hi, Nick, Subot, uh, Eve. Yeah, so I don't have a question. I'm just here uh, because obviously we're talking about Nifty Dreams. I uh, very much, very closely work with the community uh, of the, with the Nifty Dreams community. And uh, we've, we've been building for a while. And, you know, like it's, it's just really 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 uh you know humbling to see that there are so many supporters uh in the space for nifty dreams as well and uh yeah we're just working with nick and his vision um and it's just like a lot of work because like nick said the dao is like a entirely new idea for a lot of us and like you know we are also going going with trial and error and making those mistakes but also learning uh, but the intention behind Nifty Dreams is to just like help artists make a sustainable living through art. And that's what we are working towards. And, uh, you know, it's just also really uh, amazing to be able to work with people who have that vision. And uh, I just know that Nick has that vision. He's been helping uh, artists from the very beginning. And, you know, like uh, with his knowledge and his experience, uh, we are just trying to create something for everyone. Um, and we we do a couple of things for especially the community like a lot of a lot of couple of things uh, and um, recently I've been uh, working with an art gallery uh, there is a, a Halloween there are two events that are happening for uh, for this exhibition but one of which is in Toronto and uh, I'm kind of like a co-collaborator for them and we collaborated with Nifty Dreams and the artists and other artists in this community. And uh, we, I think, selected five artworks. And their artwork will be kind of displayed on Friday uh, for the Halloween event. Um, so, yeah, we, we do a couple of things to, you know, just uh, bring the artists and their work uh, more more to the screens and more in the eyes of people who need to see the, the work. And uh, that's why that's what I love about this community. Yeah, now that you mention it, I'm starting to see all these blue circles out there. 
with the nifty dream style um, around your PFP, the frame. Very cool. So what's been your favorite part so far, Mahin? Um, has there been any, have you had any personal interactions with either artists or, or people who've um, been able to step up and help be a supporter? Oh, my favorite part? Um, that's, a, that's a very tricky question. I, I just love it when, uh, you know, the community is feeling uh, more energetic and they're more active and they kind of believe in this, uh, you know, in this in, like initiative as much as we do. Uh, I mean, I do understand we're in the beer market right now, but it's the perfect time to build. But, you know, when the community is feeling all uh, all energetic and they know that, okay, we can all build some, some build something together and they're just like there and they believe in this this initiative i, I just feel like that's that's the that's the best thing like i feel really happy when the community is happy and that's what we try to do here as well like um it's it's the it's it's a dao for people who have a vision it's not like you know you make quick sales and that's a win-win for you we, we have bigger things coming up we have a vision and we are just working towards that so people who are actually with us right now and they're building and they're they have they, they just trust us as much as we trust them i feel like they are our people and uh, when they when they when you feel that energy in the room you just go like hey this is this is like the best situation um that we could have right now well, thanks so much for sharing about that. Sabod, go over to you. Yeah, uh, I was uh, about to add to the same of uh, being part of the DAO and overall uh, the vision of uh, Nick, which is in Dubai recently. And we had this event, an NFT uh, get together kind of an event where Nick was very clear, uh, you know, even that bring people who don't know anything about NFT, they, they don't even know what is NFT as a, even the full form of NFT, for instance, you know, that kind of uh, movement was done. And a lot of people showed up, you know, more than 100 people showed up in that event and they learned about NFT for the first time there. They were hearing uh, all the advantages and how their, you know, their art can be appreciated in this particular space. And till that point, they were in that uh, situation where they were, maybe they heard of it, but they thought it's a scam. Maybe some of them didn't even know what it is. And all that kind of people were introduced to NFTs. And now you see them all on Twitter, you know, within that one week. There were so much of onboarding. Today, when I host a space, I see like 15 people from that event uh, in the in the listeners. They come up sometimes and speak. They're about to mint their work. You know, that's the difference. Again, you know, bringing people into this ecosystem is something which can be also done. Again, uh, thanks to Nick. I know he, he is very generous in hosting these events. And yeah, I think these are all the advantages. You know, more people come in, more people understand this uh, revolution. I think better it is. Yeah, I would agree with you. There, that that does seem to be um, a, a a definitely scalable hurdle <laughs> that we should all try to figure out is how to get more people, how to how to make this uh, bring the normies into this side of the fence, right? Um, so that's really great to know. I I, I think I heard mention um, that that Nick that you were in Dubai. So um, I'm, it's these meetups, uh, that, like you said, the, the last meetup that was happening in India turned out to be you know. Uh, an amazing uh, big summit. <laughs> so, did are you planning the same thing for Dubai? Anything similar? Uh, yes, but uh, my. my my trip to Dubai was to essentially incorporate the DAO uh, and get it going there because uh, uh, we want we want uh, to be able to conduct business with uh, all, you know retail retail consumer brands etc. They are not in crypto. They are all in in formerly in Web two world in fiat currency world. So we need a business. We need a bank account. All of that kind of stuff. And we decided to make Dubai 
our our headquarters because their laws etc are very crypto uh, crypto friendly so when there uh, we uh, we put together a small dubai hub uh, team for the dao and uh, orchestrated this event uh, very very quickly so i'm going back there on november 28th now for another 10 days or so we'll we'll do some more planning around bigger events and uh, also about scaling up the ecosystem uh, there so uh, our goal is to have hubs all over the world with with cities and uh, create uh, lots of uh, both small and large events uh, the next namaste nft event will be in bombay uh, and you know we'll pick other places also where we can do these events but uh, events i think are a great way to introduce you know normies as you call them uh, into into uh, this this world and also give people a chance to meet IRL uh, because i think that's a, a lot that's missing like we say gm to everybody but uh, it's very different when you see them IRL it's 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 so cool I, I, like i met so many people i took so many selfies it was amazing uh, so yeah we'll continue to do those uh, uh, events and really i think the events will be much better if we can partner with museums and galleries and you know institutions like that so we can inter- we can start bringing artists who are in that domain into the nft world also and have uh, hybrid kind of exhibitions where there's fine art physical uh, and there's also digital nfts and things like that very cool well i think dubai is a really good place to do that like you said if you're talking about retail brands uh, that's why not go <laughs> why not go to the the top of the mountain with that one um so i see uh we've got a hand up from serendipity um let me first quickly see if reza art is is still if he's available Rezarto, are you available to talk i tried calling on you earlier and maybe you weren't able to talk are you there now Rezarto? okay Let's go ahead over then to Serendipity. Hi, welcome to the stage. We'd love to hear your question. Hey, how are you? Um, first, I just want to say thanks. Um, I, I really appreciate, you know, as an artist myself, I appreciate everything you're doing. Um, I, uh, there's a lot of other supporters here. That's kind of why I found the um, space today. But um, I actually know somebody, um, I don't want to say names out of respect for this space here, but uh, they take in donated nfts from artists and when they sell those nfts they give a kid art therapy um for free for a year um i think i would really like to kind of connect the two i don't know if you even know them already but maybe on the um, side piece just again out of respect for the space here but uh it really kind of changed my um, perspective as an artist myself um i've actually started doing some things differently instead of just making pretty pictures so but uh i just kind of really wanted to say that and um yeah i'm in the discord so i joined today so uh again thanks well welcome thank you so much and yeah absolutely please do connect uh you know i'd love to to hear about this uh project and how how we might uh, be able to collaborate yeah, thank you so much for sharing about that. Um, I'm sure you'll find some interesting connections, and it sounds like you're in the right place. Um, with your heart in the right place, too, which is the best part, isn't it? Uh, when you can use your art to, to make the world a better place, which is um, the, sounds like the main mission and, and uh, aim for what Nifty Dreams is, is trying to do. So thanks for sharing that, and uh, let's go over to Kirit. Hi, Kirit. Your mic is off, Kirit. Yeah, yes, Kirit, Okay, all right. We'll entertain ourselves while we're waiting for Kirit to entertain us. Um, as you might know, he sometimes has um, 
he's got a, a day job that people walk in and interrupt him and keep him busy all day long. Sometimes is another statement. I want to ask you in the same way. He said he took a lot, lot of selfies. Did you took a selfie with the support boy? And if you did, just make that. You'll make a lot of money on that. There's a lot of people looking for that. Did you get that question, Nick? <laughs> so no one has ever seen a selfie with themselves and Sabod without his uh, PFP in place yeah. of his real face. <laughs> I did take a selfie with him, and I, I can attest to the fact that Sabod is one of the top 10 sexiest men alive. Oh, I think gosh. we all knew that, but we never get a chance to see his face. But right now, if you look at my uh, PFP, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, like Mahin made it for me just now. She's laughing right now. I was telling her that uh, my PFP, the cigarette, is balancing the logo of uh, Nifty Dreams. I think I think I need to twist the logo a little now. Yeah, that's funny. I just noticed that. You're smoking the logo. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's quite a nice juxtaposition happening there. But Kirit, that's all you wanted to ask uh, after coming up in between all the customers? Yeah, I know customers. I would ask more. Give me a second. Sorry. Maybe we'll have Subodh be a speaker at the next event, so it's inevitable that his photo is visible. You know what, Nick? In, there you go. In this particular in this particular event which Nick had last week, uh, I hired a, a friend who is also a videographer to cover the event, and he told, "Give me a brief." I told, "Shoot, do whatever you do, you do it well, but just make sure I don't come in the videos. That's all. Is the only instruction I have." So yeah, I made sure that. I was not included. And I'm but just shy. And that's all it is. What's the reason behind this though? Like, what's the reason behind hiding your face? I don't understand that. I just I just said that. I'm just shy. I'm camera shy. Some people are born like that. Manufacturing defect, I would say. But let's skip that topic. Uh, let me go to Walid, who was a uh, center of attraction uh, in, the, in, the, in the event. What's up, Walid? Oh, shit. We're talking about that again? All right. <laughs> But uh, let me let me also attest that Subodh looks exactly like his PFP. Oh gosh, I tried to I tried my best to divert the topic right now, and you yeah, but you that. messed up. You messed up, and you diverted to shitty topic. So I diverted back to you. <laughs> Calling you center of attraction, but you took a wonderful shot of Nick. You know, there was a wonderful shoot which happened uh, in the studio. So when when are we going to see that picture, uh, Walid? I think so. I, I I mint about one or two a week. I think Nick is maybe third or fourth in line. So possibly next week or the week after, top of the week after. So Walid, were you there in, in Dubai um, with this uh, this meetup? And what are you excited about? Yeah, so yeah, I was, before Walid says, you know, when I said center of attraction, I meant it. You know, he was the guy who was really at the center of it, uh, doing all the talks and explaining people how to onboard, how to open a wallet. So I, I meant it as a compliment. Go ahead, Wally. Oh, sorry, Subodh, man. I thought you were talking about last night, man. Sorry. I no, totally no, 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 no. I was talking of the event. Event, event. Okay, all right. My bad. I apologize. Yeah, uh, the event was great. Uh, you know, we... we uh, we onboarded, uh, I guess, something around like 100 people. Uh, the idea was uh, sort of a bit of a crypto education, very simple intro to what crypto, blockchain, NFTs, uh, you know, look like. And um, then, uh, you know, after that intro, we did a bit of, uh, you know, here's how to create a wallet. So we had, we held their hands to creating a wallet and then showed them how to buy ETH. So everybody bought some ETH, about $30 worth. And then, you know, Nick gave his presentation and then whoever was like, you know what? 
I kind of fuck with 50 dreams now, let me buy a token. So I think, you know, a lot of people bought some tokens. And uh, at the end of the day, a lot of people were, were more interested and curious about uh, our space. And hopefully uh, they'll join in. That's amazing. That's what we need. That's what we, <laughs> that's what exactly what we need. It's more people in the space. Great job. Um, how did you? How did you? Um, look, like, how did you rope in uh, like normal people off the street? Was it was it an event that was in a public space, or was it something where people had to get invited to, uh, knowing that this was going on? Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, we we just posted on Instagram. Really, uh, I just said you know to to all our communities. Like you know, I posted on my Instagram. I think Sabo did on his. Uh, uh, Crypto Draconis uh, did on hers. So we just kind of like put the word out on Instagram. We didn't want to put the the registration link like out in the open, just so a we don't get bought it, and b we don't just get random people off the street. So you know, all our all our our, our friends from the community. From, outside Twitter, outside the NFT space kind of showed up and, and you know, because, you know, we, we, we always have our, our other accounts, right? We have our Instagram accounts and people on Instagram aren't on Twitter. And people on, on Instagram are just like, what the hell are you guys doing? You know, like, what what is this NFT stuff? I see you post about it every time on Instagram. I don't understand it. So these are the guys that were like, yo, I, you know, I want to know more. Let me come to your thing. So, uh, yeah, NFT Dreams Down made it happen. That's really cool. That's really cool. Nick, how do you feel like it went with Meetup? I think it was awesome. It uh, for you know we pulled it together in like a week. Uh, the venue was great. It was overlooking the Dubai Creek. It was awesome DJ, great music, and Wally did a spectacular presentation. He really did a good job of walking through people step by step, and uh, the turnout was was great. And it was wonderful to meet so many uh, uh, local from the local Dubai sort of creator community. Uh, in in person, so I made a, a bunch of new friends and a bunch of familiar faces too came there. People who I uh, already knew from uh, Twitter, etc., but I had never met in real life. So I, I was very very happy. That's really cool. Um, and Walid, I know you have had some of the more innovative ideas that I've I've heard um, about how to like really onboard. Um, normies or mainstream people uh, into the NFT space through your portrait photography and everything like that. So um, it's really it's really cool that you're you're on the front edge of that. Did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask Nick? You know, while we while we have you here. Uh, not really. We, you know, we just we just kind of hung out very recently, so I got all my questions answered. You know. That's cool. And he was kind enough to give me a copy of his signed book, which is awesome, by the way. I gave it to my teen daughters, and uh, they are looking at it. So that was pretty awesome, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that and, and, and you sort of taking that interest, man. Thank you. I don't, I don't talk about my book enough, so thanks. You should. You should. Your book is super important. Uh, Pam, uh, he's created this awesome, hardbound, beautiful book where he explores how society uh, is so judgmental and prescribes to women what beauty is. And uh, he has taken uh, many different subjects and in depth taken photographs and has a narrative around uh, you know beauty in general uh, it, it is a it is a great book it is a, a book that speaks very eloquently uh, to some of the huge problems in society especially with body shaming and things like that it's wonderful that's really cool well, it, why haven't I got the book you you I mean it was there in front of you when you came over man did you look at oh shit I should have I should have simply stolen one <laughs> but where is the book like, right is there. it on Amazon or something 
Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Just type my name in, and, and it'll come up. Uh, you can go to my website. You can buy it in uh, uh, in, in the UK. I think it's in uh, Waterstones. Uh, in the US, it might be in Barnes and Noble. I think I'm not sure. Uh, and then in Dubai, it's in Pina Cunha and Virgin, and then Amazon worldwide. So, so Subod, you know, this brings up an opportunity to talk about one, one thing that I've learned as an entrepreneur, uh, which uh, I hope will be useful for other people. Uh, in life, especially when it comes to business, uh, you don't get things unless you ask for them. So it's some, sometimes as simple as asking. I asked Walid about the book, and then a few minutes later, he's like, no, 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 I don't want you to pay for it. It's yours, and here, let me sign it for you. You know, this happens all the time. We assume that something is unattainable by us, that someone is unapproachable. But if you just, you know, get past those filters and just say, you know what, I'm going to try it. What have you got to lose? You know, and you'll find like many entrepreneurs succeed simply because they are willing to ask the question. That's a good point. That's a good point. Walid, I'm asking you right now in front of all 73 people, you better give me the book. Sure, man. As soon as you come down to get your photo. He said, ask, don't demand. You know? Uh, come down, get your photo taken, do my do my friends project, just like Nick, and uh, I'll make you anonymous. Don't worry, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll put you on the blockchain. Deal, we got a deal. So, Demi, what's up? Hello, everybody. How how's everyone doing today? Great, welcome. It's good to see you, Pam, Nick, Sabod, Walid, Mahin, Ev. And everybody else. Um, I actually had a question, Nick. Uh, I don't know if you had already talked about this with your Nifty Dreams, but um, I, I was curious to know if you could expand about the whole term part with the the selected term, the number of years. Um, how does that whole? Uh, I don't know much about the DAOs, uh, so I'm really curious about that. Yeah, thank you for that question. So uh, everything about this DAO is an experiment, including the, the model for the governance. And uh, one of the things we wanted is, you know, we have, a, we have essentially 10,000 fixed spots for dreamers, artists who will vote. And what the thesis is here that maybe life gets in the way, you get busy, et cetera, you don't want to participate in the DAO, et cetera, but you're holding onto an NFT and you want to hold uh, on, onto it um, so we decided what what can be a way in which you can sort of have historically your uh, participation in the DAO recognized, but uh, you don't necessarily have to have uh, the the current NFT. And so we put a duration on those NFTs. So the duration simply says this is the point at which you can actively vote. And when the time expires, you can no longer vote, but your entire record of whatever you've done in the DAO and you, is still with you within your possession uh, as an NFT. Uh, and you can come back and reacquire one, uh, you know, if there's one available or someone is in the same situation where they want to give up. So this way we have a rotating set of artists and you don't have burnout also where the same set is there forever. Uh, because again, I'm designing this for like 100 years. Who knows what the technology will be like then? But I wanted to keep something that was flexible. And so essentially having 10,000 artists, uh, I feel statistically represent a good sampling of the world's artists. And having it time limited ensures that uh, you know, you, you're not uh, holding on to one, which essentially is dormant at that point. So, Nick, uh, if I can, Jeremy, if I can just add to that, you know, like once our Dreamer Pass uh, expires, do we renew or do we have to buy again? How does it work, that part? 
Yeah, so at month 11, uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, essentially synchronize all the Dreamer uh, passes, right? So they start on January 1 and end on December 31. Very easy to keep track of. It's a calendar year. So on, in, in before the month of December, uh, people will start getting notifications if they want to renew or not. And they have a 30-day period in which they can go ahead and renew if they want to. But if they don't renew in that period, then there are Dreamer Pass lapses and now uh, one new slot is available for someone else to go mint a new Dreamer Pass uh, that becomes uh, one of the valid ones. So the, the, the number of valid active uh, Dreamer Passes can never exceed 10,000. It's always a, uh, a maximum number. I wanted to add to that question. German, back to you. Yeah, no, actually, uh, that was part of my question, Sabod. Uh, the other part of the question is like, so let's say that you meant it for one year and then you're about to expire. Is the price of it the same for the next uh, four years or however you do it? I always get this asked this question, and my answer is always the same. Uh, you're going to be part. You're going to be a dreamer. You vote on what the price is going to be. If you if if all the dreamers decide the price is going to be zero, then it's going to be zero. If they decide it's going to be a hundred bucks, it's going to be a hundred bucks. I don't know the answer to that. Okay, so it could change. It could fluctuate. Yep. Yeah. The the DAO will vote and whatever they decide to do. Like someone can propose and say that I propose that we instead of a hundred ten thousand have a hundred thousand dreamers. So it could change that way. Or someone can say I propose that the price of the dreamer thing is one dollar. And if the DAO agrees, if everyone votes and agrees, then that's what it'll be. So it's not anything I control. It's open. Thank you. Yeah, I think I'm going to buy a couple of passes right now. Because uh, I've been listening to this, this is uh, I just from like listening to you in other spaces and such. Uh, I really do think that you are one of those people like you 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 put your money where your mouth is, and so you're actually investing in yourself, and that's a really big thing. And I saw the kind of money that you invested in it, and so you're kind of really uh, you're you're rooted. So that's a good sign. Yeah, in Silicon Valley we call it uh, skin in the game. So I have tremendous skin in the game. <laughs> Thanks for those questions, Jeremy. And uh, it's um, so, you know, just looping back, and I, I think we're about ready to wrap this all up because um, I, I really appreciate your time here, Nick. And I think everyone has really appreciated getting to to learn more about uh, Nifty Dreams DAO and just kind of like what makes you tick, which is um, I've, I've got like a, a short list of, of <laughs> kind of highlights from our talk today. What we, what we need to learn to do to be successful is wake up early, take lots of selfies, plan for 100 <laughs> years, ask for what you want, and pursue projects that will make the world a better place, right? That's what we've learned. Wait, 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 well, fam, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Nick will tell you to wake up early, and I've tried that. Um, but I can do that for two days and then I have a very productive day and I celebrate so much that I wake up late <laughs> the other day. But with Nick, he has more than 24 hours. He has 30 hours in a day. So I don't know if uh, we can all do the same thing. He's everywhere. He has so much time. Uh, I don't know how he's so productive all the, all the time. And he sleeps only for four hours and two hours sometimes. So it's I don't think uh, it's healthy for uh, the rest of us, but we try, you know. Well, I guess you, 
we could all try. <laughs> I do think that waking up early when uh, when the when the day is quiet and the people are all gone uh, does create you know like you just have a more peaceful place. But then what if we all did that? Then it wouldn't be any different than the rest of the day. So um, yeah, I, I guess until that that scales up, uh, we'll still have quiet mornings. Some of us will when we get up early. Um, it, I wanted to just um, offer out. Does anyone have any final questions for Nick? Um, get, it, get it this way. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Carrot. Sorry. No worries. Um, I wanted to ask, like, let's say you purchase that uh, pass, uh, Dreamer pass today. So the timer starts today or when is going to start that pass? And the second thing is I want to introduce my friend. Uh, he's in a listener. His name is Craig. He's also a New York photographer. I wanted to introduce to him. Would you, if you, if it's possible to bring him up, uh, that would be amazing. And he's also amazing photographer from New York City. Right. Yeah, so I'll if, answer. Sorry. If Craig wants, to, if Greg wants to come up, uh, have him request. I don't, I don't see a request right now from him. But yeah, definitely have him come up if he, if he's available. Uh, go ahead, Nick. Yeah. To answer your question. Uh, the reason right now when you minted it's a Dreamer Pass is because the actual NFT uh, will be minted on uh, January 1. Uh, we had toyed with the idea of issuing it sooner, but we have now resolved that it's going to be the calendar year. So what you're going to do on January 1 or later, you don't have to do it exactly on that date, uh, is you will exchange your pass for the actual uh, Dream, Dreamer and NFT. And that's when you will be, uh, we'll be we're going to try and airdrop your tokens even sooner than that, as early as in the next couple weeks. Uh, but your Dreamer uh, uh, pass is good for swapping for a Dreamer NFT, good for 2023, the entire year of 2023. But that doesn't mean you so can't use it right now. You can use it right now for yeah. all the things. Like right now, you can join the Discord and any events we are having right now that are Dreamer specific, etc. So it's kind of like because this is kind of the launch thing. So there's a little extra period uh, at the beginning of it. Uh, so quickly, want to just say that the mint pass is, I think, less than twenty USD dollars, uh, US dollars, and. I mean, it's the cheapest right now. So get your mint pass uh, for like Dreamers mint pass if you can right now. Uh, I've pinned it up. Uh, there's this link nifty, nifty io dot mint, and you can just mint your pass there. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, that sounds like a really good price. And if there's, you know, uh, if anyone has interest of in doing it, now's a really good time to be learning about this. And I think Nick, you're going to have some really exciting news tomorrow when you announce the uh, the recipients of the grant. So, um, how do you plan to do that? Where can people uh, tune in to see that exciting news? Uh, I do not know the answer to that. I'm sorry. It's Alex, uh, who is the Project Guild lead who'll be uh, doing that. So we are, we are trying to be as decentralized as possible, uh, Pam. So I'm trying to get away from being like the person who does a lot of these things and let the guild leads, et cetera, do their own uh, own thing. But it, it, it will be uh, for sure in our Discord, that information. I think we've already uh, kind of tweeted it out, but the formal sort of uh, you know funding, et cetera, is going to happen uh, tomorrow. Okay, very cool. Um, and we do have Craig here now with us. Hey, Craig, welcome. Just before just before Craig, I just want to ask Nick, I could hear something in the background. Nick, are you doing a doodle right now? I am doing a doodle right now. <laughs> I could hear that, yeah. Oh my God, that's so funny. Now you have yeah. to share it, Nick. You have to share what you're drawing. Okay, I'll do it. I have started to doodle during spaces because it keeps my mind uh, uh, focused. 
That's awesome. I've seen some of your yeah. previous doodles. Sabod shared one for I, us. Yeah, initially I pinned it on top. If you swipe through, you'll see one. So I was quite surprised when I saw that. You know, like for me, running a space itself takes all the toll. And doing two things, it's, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, Craig, over to you. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Or I... Yeah, we can hear you loud and clear. Welcome. Okay. Hi. So uh, thanks for the uh, intro, Kirit. And... Um, and uh, I don't know, Carrot always is telling me about, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but Sloika, you know, he's saying, you know, he's basically telling me how you guys are supporting photographers and, you know, helping, helping uh, the photography community, you know, make a partial living from, uh, from their, from their photos. I don't know if you guys can hear me, but, um, but I hear, but I, I've been listening. So I hear that it's also like a bear market. So it sounds like, it's um uh you know probably you know probably difficult times too then if that's what i'm hearing you know at the top of the subject well i i guess this is a bear market i think you know throughout so much so many economies um just due to world events and globalization and everything i think a lot of uh you know just across the board we're seeing um a bear market um sort of attitude out there um but i do have to say that um you know, as Nick was saying at the top of the space, it's a good time to build. And Mahin was saying that as well. It's a good time to build. Um, it's always a good time to build. But um, even in a time like this, it's uh, you have a little bit more, you know, room to think and space to think and, and you know, people to bounce ideas off of because not everyone is so crazy busy, you know, uh, pedaling so hard. But um, yeah, we have still been seeing um, sales uh, of editions and one of one art on Sloika. And Ev has his hand up. He's going to add into that. Yeah, it's a really good question because, and thanks Tess, for letting me speak on that. Um, because obviously, uh, well, bear market, yes, it's real. So there's uh, kind of like nothing we can do about that. But um, looking back at, and Nick was explaining early uh, in space that like he's been with NFTs from the first days of CryptoKitties. And those who remember that after CryptoKitties, there was like nothing, uh, not just the bear market, just basically like no market for three and a half years or something like that, two and a half years. Um, and that was the best time to build when um, like people didn't understand not just NFTs, people didn't understand blockchain uh, in general. And uh, I know it from a personal experience because back in 2017, I went out to raise a little bit of money for the um, photography NFT marketplace. <laughs> and people were looking at me like, like I'm crazy. They're like, we don't, we don't understand what, what this is and what's this blockchain and what are you trying to do with this um, and others who uh, who did you know that's that's how we uh, uh, we got OpenSea where the founders were building through this whole bear market for like two and a half years um, I think we'll even hear more about the OpenSea story when you know when they open up a little more where uh, one of the stories that I heard is that OpenSea basically the founding team said if nothing happens in the next six weeks we're just shutting down the company and then the bull market it happened for uh, for OpenSea uh, and for like everybody in the space. So now that it's it's a different market, it, it actually 
I would say really positive development for real builders in space. We're not as uh, focusing on like, oh, ETH price is going to the moon and we're going to see like 4,000 and 10,000 and, you know, 100,000 and Bitcoin is going to be like 500,000. It's uh, it's just like, hey, it's there. It's it's the tool, it's the utility uh, that we use, you know, to push smart contracts on the blockchain, to interact. And as it evolves, as also Nick mentioned, I really appreciate it, Nick, uh, that you mentioned early on, that technology is still very much evolving. There are so many new standards that are based on the current NFT standard, like ERC721, and there's all the different letters that go after that. And all of them are just basically like tiny little tweaks, like what happens if you're doing uh, a thousand NFT project. Well, there might be optimizations down to this where it just like cost a little less. Uh, as a reminder, just less than a year ago, it would cost upward of $400 to mint one JPEG on Ethereum blockchain. And now we're seeing that you can do, you know, about for like 30 cents, 20 cents, something like that. Um, to to mint the same jpeg so we already went a thousand x uh improvement in cost efficiency and i think in you know in another year or two we're just gonna stop thinking about like what's the price of um, nft in terms of like minting minting costs and we'll have to focus on other things uh like what is the innovation that you're bringing like we've seen the explosion of ai in the last few months and now there's photographers i don't know if they're in space or not that are actually like bridging AI with their photography. And that is very fascinating to see. I have a few DMs where people, uh, you know, share their projects. I'm like, wow, this just takes a lot of prompts <laughs> with like Mid Journey or Dali or whatever you use. And it's already fascinating that people who are willing to build, willing to see through and uh, uh, innovate in this particular case are coming out stronger, you know, and like Dali and Midjourney and all the rest, Stable Diffusion, uh, those are tools that we didn't have, what, like, let's say four months ago, and now they're open and available for everyone. And so it still reaches a tiny, tiny little proportion of artists. And so maybe five years from, and like, again, this is, this is what's being early means. It's like, yes, everybody heard about NFTs, yet there's only like 3 million people or whatever, like, you know, approximate connection with wallets that bought a single NFT in their lifetime. Well, what about the other 8 billion, right? Like it takes a long while to get there. When we started with smartphones, very few people had a smartphone and now you basically cannot buy a phone that's not a smartphone. So it takes 15, 20, 25 years to, to get there. Uh, but it's kind of like exciting to see that this uh, is almost inevitable to happen in one shape or another. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the same as we're seeing it today or even thinking as it might shape the future, but eventually just like, ta it appears and blockchain is everywhere and NFTs are everywhere and they have profound uses that we may not even anticipate or even dream of today. So that's uh, for me as a creator, that's an exciting prospect. And for me as a creator, I also recognize that when there's a bull market, there's no time to think. Everybody's just like counting money and uh, trying to sell and everything is going well. But it's the thoughtfulness that comes with the bear market that's actually uh, really great for 
creators and builders. Yes, it's going to be harder, but it's also makes things go and become more innovative and efficient in the long term. That's that's a lot. Thank you so much for you know um, for, for that insight. Um, and you you know I, I I hear like that people are going to have to you know innovate um, to to stand out. But I I, um, I have a question. Like, do you think like uh, like Carrot? Carrot is a small business owner, and so am I. And um, I have a uh, I actually have a bed shop in the city, and I have my place set up as like a gallery too, so people can buy my prints inside the store um, physically. But you know, like I I, I I believe that I've taken a few good photos, a few really good photos. You know, over these years I've been doing it. And I, I find that I feel like that the people that were having the most success within the space, they were in this space full time, all the time, morning, noon, night. And it, they made it their business to be, you know, they make it their business to be heard. And, you know, like, I feel like that um, I'm not, you know, there are people like me that are not in this space all the time that are doing, you know, really good work. But you know, it's going to be hard to be seen if you're not spending the time promoting it. I I like doing the photography. I I like uh, I like it when I when I capture something really really good. Just it's like hitting a sweet spot on a bat. But um um but uh you know I'm not like the I'm not so business oriented regarding selling my photography. Although you know I, I i do sell it i i i make money from it it draws um on social media on instagram it draws attention to my local store um so there are people that follow me that will will come to my store but like i've really been interested in this space but i just feel like i i, I don't have the time as much time as you know as other people to to really pr- promote myself and do you think like do you think that in order to be, I, I think I know the answer, but I'm curious to hear, just hear some feedback. Do you really think that the people that are going to be succeeding in this space are going to be spending uh, a large amount of time to succeed? Or do you think, I don't know that much about Sloika, but I believe people are selling their work on Sloika. So um, I, I assume Sloika is a, a platform. Like, do you, like, I foresee like maybe a, a platform like Sloika becoming like a, you know, like a, re, a respected seller you know, like, uh, that's collectible just because it's on Sloika, you know, to, to bring added value to the photo or art on a blockchain. Well, yeah, it's, uh, I can give you kind of like, uh, I'll try to give you a shorter answer, even though it makes me feel better to give you a long answer, I guess. Uh, <laughs> okay. But to, to get started, we do see correlation uh, between people spending time on Twitter or in spaces with their sales. Um, but having said that, I uh, my biggest dream, and I think that's you know Nifty Dreams and and so many other in the space, uh, and and we it's like uh, we would love to see a moment where you don't have to be there twenty four seven, you don't have to show your work uh, at every thread, and it's sort of the bear market is making it better because I, maybe it's just me i don't see too many shield threads i don't see too many uh people trying to do that so it, it seems to be a positive development so people 
uh, are focusing on art more than just kind of like let's reply to every single uh collector or want to be collector you know there's also a lot of people just uh, doing shield threads for the sake of doing shield threads um or like whatever engagement farming and so that is slowly going away which is a, a good thing and i think there will be systems in place that will help artists to continue producing art and not necessarily focus on being present in a space every single moment of their waking life because it's not sustainable and more and more people are realizing that it's not sustainable but with regards to platforms and Sloik is one of the platforms it's curated so every single photographer that we have uh, is verified by us so it's kind of like you cannot just go and mint there you have to be accepted and there's a process that goes through so one of the things that you know when we started building and we shared that is that we actually kind of hate to be a gatekeeper of sorts we think that art should be free and we shouldn't be the one deciding uh, what's right and what's wrong and what should be accepted what's not but the way it's set up right now is that we are like a, a bit of a necessary evil that we have to build the systems in place to help protect this fragile market and as the market matures and it matures very quickly it's like you know a pace of like 20x uh of the photo stock market that before i was building a different platform called 500 pixels and we've seen the photo stock market and the whole process uh you know changing throughout like maybe 10 years or so and now the same process that took 10 years uh that i've seen is now happening like in in like 10 months or so so much much faster um and uh, platforms you know there's super air that is curated and you have to get accepted there's loika those are kind of like gatekeepers that put a little bit of that stamp of quality that says like yep there's something that we've seen that makes it worthwhile for collectors to take a look at i do believe that there will be some alternative options to that um I haven't seen too many, but I think we'll kind of like we'll we'll have to see where artists take this into their own hands, into their own control, um, and uh, kind of like that's you know that's the space that we're seeing. That today it's one thing, but if we have the same conversation a few months later, I will tell you that like hey, there's actually you know this and this platform that helps. Uh, abstract this layer and allow uh, photographers, for example, to not depend on any individual platforms. You know, like we've seen uh, uh, platforms like OpenSea, which are more centralized, blocking some artists if they're from Iran, for example, or I don't know, like a whole bunch of countries. I think by now they're banned half of the world. Uh, and kind of like, you know, seeing this, it makes artists want to build more resilience in what they do because it's you know if you have a physical print well it's not getting banned but now we're dealing with digital assets it's getting a lot more complicated and a lot easier to kind of like squash this resilience and you know like if you are in our spaces more often or if you want to go check uh Sloika darkroom in uh, in your podcast app you will hear about us talking about how to uh, have more provenance over your work and how to create this resilience so that regardless of what happens to a particular marketplace, regardless of what happens to a particular uh, platform or subsystem that is being used in NFTs, that your NFTs and your assets are still available uh, and you can control them. 
And that's kind of like very important is that, you know, finally, for the first time in in digital human history, you can move your data between platforms with just one click. And that is never available with like Instagram or Facebook or any other apps um, that what constitutes Web2. And that's basically the biggest challenge of building Web3 is to make sure that your data belongs to you and you have full control as to how you want to use it and it's very easy tools to actually manage that yeah you know that was going to be my it was that was like kind of like leaning towards my next question and then i i know that you guys have mentioned that you wanted to close out the space so i i just have uh i have two thoughts um so i've been you know i'm uh i'm a photographer and i've been observing this space for a while but you know you know, like I observe it like once a month or once every two months and everything changes. So like, for example, right now, I, I told Carrot I was thinking about burning um, some of my work because maybe I'm, I'm not happy with the platform that I'm on. And I'm also maybe not happy with the contract because I use like, like I have some OpenSea work, but I use, um, I have some things on OpenSea, but I didn't get my own contract. I didn't have a manifold contract. Or maybe I have some things that are on on foundation that I really I'm not knocking. I'm just using as an example. I have some things on an X Y Z project. Maybe I don't want um you know I don't want it on an X Y Z uh, site. I want it. I want to move my better work with a new contract to some somewhere else. In the beginning, there was like a lot of talk about people like you know you shouldn't burn your work. You shouldn't do this. You know like it looks bad. You know like I I never really agreed with it, but um. So, so that's one thing. I'm thinking about burning some of my work uh, to be able to get it a proper contract and maybe move it to another platform. And do you guys see anything negative about doing something like that, or or positive, or you're indifferent? Um, well, I, I guess you know to 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 lay some groundwork. Um, I'm a, a like a mini collector, I guess. I have about 150 pieces, uh, mostly photography, and I'm a photographer, so I have some pieces, so you know, listed and sold. Uh, and I'm also building a platform uh, that is a marketplace for for uh, for photographers. And the way we uh, would see things is also evolving a little bit. And so, you know, when, when people tell, tell me like, oh, I want to do on my own contract, it's like, well, did you write this contract? Did you write this Solidity code? Obviously not, right? So like now we're talking about like, well, I wanted to mint somewhere that gives me more provenance. Right, like manifold, like Sloika, like uh, foundation, uh, a, a, as opposite of OpenSea, which is not a sovereign contract, basically. And when we're talking about this, there is layers of abstractions that a lot of non-technical people do not necessarily understand. And I don't believe that they have to understand those because it's like it's like looking into. Um, uh, a car, you know, under hood and be like, well, what do you think about the carburetor? It's like, do I really need to know what the carburetor is and how to use it? It's probably like all, all the reference. Um, and the essence of that is that at some point, you kind of don't need to know about this. But if you want to know if you are having this control or not, those are kind of like valid questions. And most smart, uh, no, actually, actually, as of today, 
all the platforms are using layered uh, smart contracts, whether it's Manifold or Sloika, where part of that is abstracted on a global level and part of that belongs to the artist. And so the important questions to ask is like, can the platform actually change the underlying global contract? And for Manifold and Sloika, the answer is no. The question is like, what about other platforms? I haven't received that particular answer from others. Uh, the second question is like, what about the storage? So like, yes, you have your own smart contract. You have this little piece of code uh, written in Solidity that can interact. And basically it just says very basic things. It's like, this wallet is the owner, uh, pay this wallet when there's something sold, pay this wallet if there's a royalty, and you have some functions like transfer or change or whatever else that might be built in in the contract that are most of the time are doing fairly simple tasks. Uh, it's just that the beauty of smart contract is, is it can be interacted with at any time and you don't have to maintain that. The uh, Ethereum blockchain actually maintains that. That's why you pay the fee upfront, but never have to pay a monthly fee as with uh, servers and stuff like that. Um, and the second question that we actually tried to unpack multiple times is the storage. And there's a couple of um, things related to that. People use IPFS uh, as we do, or people use RVEV. Uh, that's another technology. And neither of those two is actually guaranteed to be permanent. It's sort of like one requires somebody to pay the, the bills or you host your own node. And the other one guarantees you, but up to 200 years and maybe more and maybe less. And the economics are still uncertain. In, in my personal view, there's, you know, there's a lot of venture capital money behind that. And when we're talking about those contracts, it's like, well, how long do you want to, uh, how long is it important for you to keep that NFT alive? And if the question is like, well, you know, a couple of years, maybe five years, then it doesn't really matter. Most of the like well-funded startups, whether it's OpenSea or others, will probably do nicely. Uh, but if you are thinking about like 20 years, to 50 years, then you might want to start thinking more kind of like differently around that. And, you know, that's something we also shared on Spaces where we built Sloika uh, as a venture-backed startup. You know, there's, uh, we are building in the bear market. Are we going to make it or are we not going to make it? I don't know. Hard to tell, right? It's, it's, a, it's a big risk that we're taking. It's a big risk that, uh, you know, like OpenSea is venture-backed, Manifold is venture-backed, uh, Foundation is venture-backed. Like basically everybody is uh, building with external money. And when it comes to that, the question is what happens to your NFTs if one of those uh, platforms decides to go out of business? Kind of like where your NFTs are, how's their storage going to be? And that's what we were focused on. We were focused on to see what happens after. Because are we going to be successful? I don't know. We we want to be. We you know we try to do the best by photographers. We focus on the artists. We focus on a lot of things that other platforms are not focusing on. But at the end of the day, it's still a way for us to uh, build sustainable business and to make it work. And so in this regard, it's kind of like, can we make right by the creator, by making sure that whatever happens to me personal as a human being, to the company, 
to uh, the whole NFT space that we can make it right by the creator. And that's kind of like the very long underlying message that we want to uh, make sure. And, you know, that's why we're not doing it on Binance Smart Chain or uh, I don't know. There's probably everyone's favorite uh, side chains that people like to bash on. And, uh, well, the one that came to mind right now is Binance. But there's probably like another 600 blockchains that are not as exciting to build on. Thanks for that great explanation, Ev. Um, I just I wanted to see how Nick's uh, doodle is going. <laughs> Let's see, because um, I think we we probably are close to needing to wrap up the space. But I wanted to uh, thank you, Craig, for those great questions. And um, I my DMs are open. Uh, my name is Pam Voth, and you can find my uh, PFP down in the listeners. So if you have some more specific questions about it, um, I'd be happy to help you. Uh, we have a, we have a big support. Uh, article uh, collection that we can uh, point you to if you have just some basic questions about um, you know what makes Sloika different or different things you can consider. Um, but we're super happy to have you here on stage with us. And Nick, how is your uh, doodle going? Are you still working on it? Uh, no, I, I tweeted it actually, and Sabo just pinned it uh, into the space uh, a while back. Oh, so, okay, I missed yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I was too busy listening. Oh, yeah. fine. Oh, wow, that's but a good Nick- one. But Nick, one question from my side: Why pen and paper and not uh, something like iPad and Procreate? Any reasons behind that? I have iPad and Procreate, but I, I, I cannot be as creative on it. It feels unnatural to me. I have to get used to it. I can do it better with pencil and paper. I don't know. And, and I got I got the 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 you know the paper surface and all that kind of stuff, etc. I just like the idea of pencil and paper. It makes me feel more creative. That's really cool. Go ahead, Sabar. No, no, I said I understood, understood. You know, that's just a curiosity, that's all. Yeah, back to you, Pams. So, so yesterday, um, I, I met a person that, um, you know, I live in a pretty touristy area of San Diego. And so I met someone who is here visiting. And he was here for some kind of financial summit for his company. And I was like, oh, what does your company do? And I couldn't believe his answer. He said, oh, we make, we manufacture pens, like ink pens. I was like, wow, it's amazing to think about, you know, today and manufacturing pens when so much of, you know, correspondence and everything happens, you know, digitally and on screens and everything. But when I was flying into the country recently, um, you know, you had to fill out this list like form and everyone was like, where we don't have a pen. (laughs) I was like, you know, there does come a point when a pen is really important in your life. And I could totally understand like the pencil and paper you know, uh, you you do like those vintage pieces of art in amongst um, these DIY projects, as you mentioned earlier in the space. So maybe this yeah. is like vintage art. I feel I feel like uh, uh, you know you, you, you I, I feel like connecting the past to the the, the future, and and in this case, I don't know why, but viscerally the paper just feels good. You know, when you're drawing on it. So exactly, exactly. Well, um, I want to uh, just say thanks again, Nick, for joining us. Um, I think we are going to go ahead and wrap up the space um, so that we can let Nick get on with his day and we can get this out as a as a podcast episode. We will be back here on Wednesday, and it'll be 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. noon Eastern time. And um, hopefully Simbode will be back with us again. Um, He's staying up really late for right now for us. Uh, It's late in my book, but I guess we could call it early, (laughs) depending on how how early um, 
is early. Um, and so, yeah, on Wednesday, uh, we'll be talking with the Concurrence Collective. There are 30 artists who've just released their uh, second collective uh, drop, which is called Reflections. It, it went live for the public today, this morning. And uh, we'll be talking with those artists about um, about their work. They're really amazing landscape images. And of course, um, Soika is one of the platforms, one of the only platforms that really uh, supports collectives um, in a way that um, really puts their efforts front and center. Uh, we help them go through a zero X split uh, contract, how they set that up. Um, and then of course, give them quite a bit of uh, push and promotion. So we'll be excited to talk with those folks on uh, the 26th. And then just looking ahead at the rest of our schedule um, on Halloween morning or Halloween afternoon, actually, we'll be talking with Emma Nefty Metagirl, who's with Meta Jungle. Um, that'll be on October 31st. On November 2nd, we're talking with Tim Salikov, who is, of course, the um, editor and writer for Photographers on the Blockchain. It's a Substack newsletter that is a really wonderful roundup of everything going on in the NFT photography space. And then uh, November 7th, we're going to be talking with Chip. And uh, Chip, of course, is our friend and collector from Australia, a good friend of Sabo's. You've heard him talking about music, probably, and all kinds of things, but he'll be here with us on uh, November 7th. Um, but with that, I would like to say thank you again to Ev for um, being here and being a co-founder of Sloika, bringing us <laughs> this opportunity to, to make connections with uh, photographers and collectors throughout Web3 photography space. And providing all the nerd talk, um, if we ever have a technical question, um, Ev's the one to go to. You can tell with his answers, he really tries to help bring it into a uh, layperson's language so we can understand what it is that's going on. <laughs> so thanks for that, Ev. And uh, thanks to Sabone for being here as our co-host today. Um, I hope that uh, that uh, your PFP doesn't go undergo too many more changes throughout the rest of the day. It's <laughs> you've uh, you keep. Um, putting on different outfits throughout the day. Yeah, today has been quite a day for the PFP. It's been going through a lot. But my thing is right now, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I need to wake up in three hours now because I'm going to be an early riser. I want to give some competition to my cat and be smarter than her at least. Well, good luck with that. I hope you get some rest and thanks for staying up late. And thank you, Nick, once again, for spending time with us today and, and telling us about Nifty Dreams. And I hope that... Um, that you'll see a lot of uh, a lot of folks uh, joining up with with the efforts that you're putting out there to make the world a better place through supporting art and artists and doing those awesome things that you do. Thank you so much for having me, Pam. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Ab, so much. Uh, thank you, Sabod. It was a wonderful conversation. And I always like to close in my closing remarks by saying, "Dream on and dream big." Thanks for that. We'll just go ahead and close up and say bye for now.